All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you as always by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. If you shop online, that is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-Epic.com. They also have a retail location in Surrey, so be sure to go check them out there as well. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs and you can enjoy free shipping Canada-wide on any order over $50 over at Zephyr Epic. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined by Harmon Dial. Harmon, when is the last time you and I did an episode without favor, just the two of us? I swear the last time was at my grandpa's house. Like, I think it was. It was. It was when Jim Rutherford was just hired as president of Hockey Ops. And I remember because I think that day you had a cold or, or or your voice wasn't the best. So I remember you were like, I'll I'll tee you up and you just speak as much as you can on this pod. And I felt um I I was I was like, man, I really hope people listening don't think I'm uh, um I'm a dick for just speaking the whole pod, but I was doing it because your voice wasn't at the best that day. Well, according to some people, my voice is never at its best. So we'll do the same thing on this episode. I'll just keep teeing you up. Of course, Chris Faber is gone uh for his wedding, which I actually had someone reach out today and say, Are you skipping Faber's wedding because he's going out and you're not the wedding is on Sunday I'm leaving tomorrow morning I'm a groomsman in the wedding I'll be there you're you're going to the wedding too aren't you Harmon I was going to but my sister is in town and I haven't seen her in in months and this is the only time she was coming back because I don't think she's coming back for the holidays and then she's on another co-op so it was my only chance to see her otherwise I would have been going out to the island as well well, we'll give you a uh, live coverage. I think we're going to, someone's, someone there is going to film my speech. I keep telling everybody that I'm the closer and Faber just likes to say that I'm last on the list to speak. I keep calling myself the closer and I want some uh, bullpen entrance music for my speech. But anyways, I'll tell you all about the wedding when it's over. Let's get into it today. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks are welcoming the Calgary Flames for the final game of their preseason do you like the fact that we're going to have like five days to kind of get all of our final takes from the preseason? Because the season doesn't start till next Wednesday, but the preseason ends tonight. 
Yeah, honestly, I wish we could just fast forward to the regular season starting. I think a lot of people are in the same boat where you feel so much excitement for the first, I think, part of every milestone that brings you closer to the season, right? The Penticton Young Stars, like first first Young Stars game, you're so jacked up. And then by the last Young Stars, you're like, okay, like let's fast forward just to training camp. There's so many exciting storylines. You get to training camp and you're, you see the first combinations and then you're like, okay, I, I want to see scrimmages. I, I want to see these players actually playing against each other. Then you go, wow, I can't wait to see the first preseason game. And then at this point, you're like, man, just fast forward to the to the first game of the season. And that's kind of how I feel about all this, because no matter what we're talking about today, just within the first two games, whether it's for positive or for worse, we're going to have totally different storylines based off the fact that you got a back-to-back with Edmonton. Like right away, that's going to be a huge challenge for this team because we all know the Oilers are legit cup contenders. And I think stylistically they've been a sort of rough uh, matchup against uh, the Canucks, especially because of how strong Edmonton's power play is and how weak Vancouver's penalty kill has been. So I'm sort of at the point where, yes, there's still a lot of exciting things to talk about and we'll get into those things. But man, I'm just itching to, to get the real game started. Likewise, and you said there's a lot of changes that are going to happen. We saw a lot of changes at this morning's morning skate. Aaron, let's get the lines up here. And I forgot to mention off top, our technical producer, Aaron Bernardo, who I should say is an Atlanta Braves fan. That'll come up later. Our uh, lines here, courtesy of our pal, Brendan Batchelor. The Friday skate lines, Harmon. I'm going to ask you for one of your main takeaways. I'll go first. Mine is that Philip Aronik is playing with Quinn Hughes. We're seeing Connor Garland obviously on the first line as well, but I want to focus on Hughes and Hironic because I just need to take a victory lap on Chris while he's not here because over the past week, I've, ke- I've kept saying that Hironic is going to play a lot of minutes with Quinn Hughes. This by committee thing also includes Philip Hironic. It's not like they're going to keep Hironic away from Hughes and we just hadn't seen it at any point in the preseason and Faber was basically saying, I never want to see those two together. Basically, I'm summing up what he's saying. He said, uh, I, I hate Philip Ronick and I never want him to play with Quinn Hughes, basically is what he said. Um, so Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick together today at Morning Skate. My question for you, Harmon, before we get into your takeaway from this lineup here, is are we going to see Philip Ronick play in a by-committee style where we're still seeing you know, some other guys switch to Quinn Hughes uh, Quinn Hughes pair like do we see true defense pairings tonight or are they going to cycle through the partners tonight do you think yeah it's a really interesting question and, and I don't know the exact answer because I've asked Talkett straight up a, a couple of times so at camp at preseason about whether Heronic will sort of get a look there and each time Talkett's sort of been measured in his response and didn't seem enthusiastic about the idea sort of saying like yeah sure there'll be moments off offenses on starts where you might have the two of them together, but he didn't seem to love the idea of having them together as, as a full-time defense pair. And I sort of get it, right? Because you put those two guys together and it's like, man, the second and third pair is an absolute wild card. And, and you can't just run Hughes and Heronic 30 minutes a night over an 82-game season. Um, that's just not sustainable. So the way to sort of view it, though, is if you're doing it by committee, the fact of the matter is, if you're, let's say, starting with a guy like McWard in that sort of spot by uh, by Hughes or Juleson or um, whoever you want to whoever you want to throw besides Heronic, 
that partner isn't going to be playing 22 minutes, uh, 22 minutes a night. It's it's just that simple. And I think with Horonic, again, specifically with what talk referenced in terms of the offensive zone starts, I think those are the types of situations you'll see them together. Maybe if the team's trailing in, in a third period and you, and you want to load those guys up and um, have them on the ice as, as much as possible or end of a penalty kill, you killed one off and 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 you might want to throw those guys together. I think it'll be in those sporadic sort of situations, which counts as the by committee thing. And even when we have seen Hughes in this preseason, a lot of times it's been two or three partners through uh, through through a game. And and I think Horonic definitely definitely from an offensive perspective uh, figures to be part of um, that solution. One guy I really pay attention to when we look at this lineup tonight is Noah Juleson because we see Cole McWard isn't in the lineup and you kind of brought up Juleson there. I look at him in a similar way to what they're using with Cole McWard where everybody's like, okay, well, Cole McWard's going to play with Quinn Hughes. I like that they're giving a look to Philip Peronix tonight next to Hughes. I really like that. But I also think we are going to see a good chunk of minutes played with Noah Juleson and Quinn Hughes. I think we're going to see those two together tonight. And, and to me, Noah Juleson's one of those guys that I think has had kind of an underwhelming training camp in preseason. Um, look, look, it's not the same as Niels Huglander and Vasily Colson, where he was thrust into you know a, a real top spot and he kind of lost it through his own play. I just think he hasn't gotten that much of a look there. And in the games he has played, and I just thought he's been pretty underwhelming. So uh, look, Cole McWard's not in the lineup tonight. I think this is Noah Juleson's kind of last chance because when I look at who they still have on the roster, they've got some decisions to make. And I think Noah Juleson, by the end of it all, could be one of the guys kind of on the outside looking in. Yeah, and you understand why it's been challenging for him to earn an opportunity because Juleson was straight up brutal in that first Calgary preseason game um, where they lost 10-0. Just some brutal defensive plays. And honestly, whether it's Juleson or McWard, I feel nervous if one of those guys is in the lineup in terms of your top six defensemen when everybody is healthy. They're righty short, and looking at how things are progressing on the waiver wire, I'm not necessarily enthused with a lot of the options right now. Of course, still a couple days for new guys to sort of hit the wire, but um, in Carolina, for example, Caleb Jones, uh, who's a lefty hit, the wire instead of um, Dylan Coughlin, who's a right shot six six foot two guy with size, who I thought um, might might have a shot and might be a realistic candidate for somebody like the Canucks. So whether it's waivers, whether it's via trade, it'd be ideal if they could find a way to upgrade there. Because again, I'm just not comfortable with one of those guys as an everyday defenseman. I, I think they should be depth seven eight um, sort of defenseman who step into the lineup when there are injuries or when somebody's um, playing poorly as opposed to one of your one of your first choice options and i think it it speaks to a bigger overall takeaway from training camp which is whether it's been the depth defense competition or even the wingers it's been disappointing not to have had not to see more individual players really break out and solidify themselves as like i've got, i i've I'm ready to take that next step. I'm ready to like, I'm impressing the fan base and you, and you're excited about a player being able to play in that more prominent role. Right. Because again, depth defense has been disappointing. Pot Colson and Hoaglander, we haven't seen enough of. And you're also looking at a situation now where 
in your top nine, you've got DiGiuseppe in a top six role. You've got Joshua in a top nine role. And your only forward injury is Ilya Mikheyev. That's not ideal either. So from my perspective, I think both of those are areas on the wings and on defense where because you had so many bodies, I thought you might have one guy sort of pop and that you'd be really excited about on each front. And you just haven't had that really materialized so far. When you look at the forwards and and specifically the forward lines that we're going to be seeing tonight, we are seeing some movement. Jeff Patterson was on the show yesterday and he talked about how Anthony Bovillier is one of the guys he's felt has had kind of an underwhelming camp and Connor Garland, Connor Garland is getting a shot um, on Patterson's line. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the tinkering that we're seeing with the lines? Because it's something Taka was asked about, and we'll get to the clip in a second here. But like, how do you feel about it's the final day of the preseason? The Canucks are still kind of juggling their lines a bit. Yeah, I don't mind talking experimenting because it's not as if you have a scenario where you've somehow struck gold within the within the start of preseason and and you've got your line set in stone and you don't want to tinker with the chemistry. Guys are still trying to figure it out and uh, a player like Garland I thought through camp was feisty and he remains one of the Canucks' best five and five wingers so I don't mind him getting a shot on the top line now stylistically I do wonder if he'll be able to build chemistry because Pedersen's a puck dominant player and when you watch how Garland drives play how much he likes to do his spins in the offensive zone how much he likes to hold on to the puck and make plays you have two guys there that love really holding on to that puck. So I, I don't know if that's going to be the best fit, especially we've seen Garland struggle to find chemistry with Pedersen in the past, but it's worth a shot. Uh, and on that third line, I, I think Suter and Bovillier to me makes sense as a sort of, when talk gets mentioned, having duos and, and, and having them be constant partners, that makes sense to me. And then really it's just about Joshua and that role, which Hoaglander obviously got a look there, I believe, in the Edmonton game. But I I remember sort of thinking about the idea of Hoaglander on that third line with Suter and going, and actually it might have been Garland was originally on that line when Suter was there. But I've always wondered if Hoaglander would actually get that long-term fit on that third line because of his size, to be totally honest. Um, Suter is also um, 5'11", and if you look at whether it's Garland in that role or Pavillier in that role, both those guys are, aren't the biggest either. And I think that's where Josh was in there because of his size. And again, I don't love it. Uh, I think it's a reflection of we've, we've, had, we've had this conversation about the Canucks have so many wingers and they're so deep. And yes, it's true in the sense that they have a lot of wingers that are NHL caliber that you look at and go, this guy can play NHL games. But still, when it comes to sort of high-end top six and top nine guys it still feels like you're not in the best most ideal situation and this is where you're hoping that whether it's garland or whether it's a bovillier or a joshua that one of these guys can really um step up and, and seize a, a bigger opportunity yeah absolutely uh talking spoke about this tinkering today aaron let's uh let's get the clip here talk it this morning uh talking about tinkering the lines uh, yeah, I understand some of the concerns, but uh, I'm a puzzle guy. You, you know, it's okay to put, put pieces in here and there. I don't think it disrupts, you know, like I told you, you know, the great Scotty Bowman had pairs. Uh, yeah, it's forwards. You know, he'd have two guys and he'd rotate. And I remember when we won the cup in Pittsburgh, and I know it's a different team. Sid had four different wingers 
in a week. Um, you know, Gensel, Rust, Sherry, Scott, Will, like, and it's okay to do that. You know, you, you, you know, hopefully a guy has energy and he can go for three games. Then if he loses energy, you get somebody else in there. It's a similar kind of model, uh, a little different here, but, um, you know, Huggy is going to play some shifts with Heronic tonight. Um, we're going to try that tonight. So I think it's, we're not scared to experiment. And I think that, you know, I don't think you have to play with this guy to have build chemistry all the time. I, I don't I necessarily. Yeah, sure. Would you like to, uh, three guys to play all the time together or two guys? But I think the way we're built, we're more of a committee team. Rick Tockett, big puzzle guy. I love when you just drop stuff like that. Like, yeah, you will. I'm a big puzzle guy. It's like, oh, OK, Rick. Awesome. Um, so he talked about that. And also before he gave that answer, he talked about how Pedersen and Kuzmenko were both a little under the weather and that he was hoping Garland could kind of be an energy guy for that line. So maybe that's something to watch for tonight. Kind of a, a buzzsaw, if you will. Uh, any other takes from this uh, from this lineup that you want to get in before we move on here? Well, overall, it just with Hoaglander, it's a fascinating sort of discussion, right? Where he started camp pretty well, I thought. First, first uh, days of camp through the drills and, uh, and everything. And even in the scrimmage, I thought he was playing a more mature style of game where he wasn't making the defensive mistakes. He was managing the puck right. He looked really strong along the walls. He was driving a couple of scoring chances. And I'm thinking like, okay, maybe this is the year where he can really take a step and solidify himself as an everyday player in this lineup, which – he's at a bit of a disadvantage because of the size factor. Again, the Canucks are a pretty small forward group. And even originally when I was thinking about the battle between Hoaglander and, and Pod Colson, I thought Hoaglander might be a little bit behind the eight ball because Pod Colson at least has the unique physical tools, but then Pod Colson disappointed. And then you're like, okay, there's this clear runway. And then in the first preseason game against Calgary, where the Canucks got um, absolutely shellacked, Hoaglander was at least one of their more noticeable forwards in on the forecheck through a big hit. I believe it was on uh, Dennis Gilbert. And you're like, okay, this guy's catching your eye. And then since then, it, it's still been pretty quiet the last couple of preseason games from zero points in preseason. And it's just, he just kind of fizzled out a little bit. So you, you just hope over the course of the season, whenever he draws back in, whether it's opening night in Edmonton or later on in that first road trip, that, he's able to take that next step because man, I I really think that both for the short and medium term future of this Canucks lineup, they need at least one of Hoaglander or Pod Colson to hit as full-time top nine NHL forwards, considering their age, considering how cheap they are against the cap. If you can't draft and develop those guys, you're just creating more problems for yourself um, with the cap, especially even to a lesser extent when you look in future seasons, a, a guy like Beauvillier, for example, hitting unrestricted free agency, and you're probably not going to keep him. Um, you need that steady stream of middle six talent continuing to to hit. And and this is where, for Hoaglander, this is going to be an important test for him over the next uh, couple weeks to um, whenever he draws into the lineup in the regular season to um, grab that lineup spot and solidify himself there. Drancer asked, talking about this at Morning Skate, just what he needs to see from Hoaglander. We have the audio of that too. So Aaron, hit us with the Hoaglander audio from Rick Tockett. What have you not seen from Niels Hoaglander? We, we know he's sort of opened camp on that top line um, and, and won't be in the lineup tonight, which 
feels loaded given how close it is to your regular season opener. Um, what what more did you hope to see from him at training camp? Yeah, I have a mind of it. I don't think it's a, it's a little bit of a numbers game with him. I'm, I'm still trying to see, you know, I want his, like trying to find an identity. I still got to get him to understand his identity right now. Um, you know, maybe me putting him with PD early kind of made him play a little bit different. I thought he was getting a little fancy out there, but, you know, um, he'll play. Um, whether he plays, you know, he might play opening. I'm not sure. I just think that, I think when he, you know, the, the what I've been told and stuff like he's a really like a buzzsaw out there and we need him to play that way. And I've seen some of it, but not enough consistency. And we have some other guys like, I think Joshua Dakota is a guy we got to get in the lineup because I think he's been, he's taken the, whatever the, 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 uh, my opinion of him and he's really played a little bit better and he's got size. We need size, right? So, uh, Nils, he'll play. It's just a matter of when he plays and we got to make sure he plays to his identity. Going back to the first answer we heard from Tockett, where he spoke about, yeah, you'd like to have your pairings, and then if one guy has a good run of three games and he starts to lose his energy, then you have someone waiting in the wings. That feels like what Tockett's speaking about when he says, we need to find Hoaglander's identity. I think to open the season, Harmon, he's obviously going to be on the roster, and you just kind of said it, like, maybe he plays in Edmonton, maybe he doesn't, but he's going to play one of those games, you'd assume, right? Or... You know, he'll play at some point during the road trip. And I, I wonder if it's going to help the Canucks have a level of kind of accountability that hasn't been there in recent years, uh, where if you are struggling, that there's someone waiting in the wings to take your spot, that type of thing. I, I wonder if that's going to be kind of, you know, not this team's identity, but if that's going to be something that we can kind of look for this season. But the thing there is, you're right. But when when you get that glimpse of an opportunity, the guys have to be ready to actually perform there. And I think with Hoaglander, what Tockett mentioned in terms of identity is really interesting because you kind of look at him and you go, okay, he's got some skill. He has, with his stick handling ability, in the offensive zone, he can make really creative plays. He's got good speed. He's competitive. And yet... When you look at his offensive game, he doesn't quite have the finishing ability to really stick in a top six role yet. Uh, and in a, in a role further down the lineup, he doesn't quite have enough of the attributes outside of his offensive ability to, to add value there, right? Because, he's, because he doesn't have that size. And I think... Here's the thing, despite him being smaller, he can still carve out an identity as more of an energy guy who's super annoying on the forecheck, is a pest to go up against. Um, he's a really strong player for his size. And I think that's what he needs to get back to is, is realizing that it isn't just about what I do offensively, but if I want to carve out an everyday role, especially when a guy like Mikheyev comes back and slots into the top six, it may have to be in a bottom six role where I have to do the Jack Studnika thing. Look at what Studnika has done in camp, right? Studnika is a perfect example of a guy that you looked at and went, I don't know what his identity is heading into this season because he's not skilled enough to stick in a top six offensive role. He's not the biggest guy. He's not a defensive stalwart. He's fast and he has some skill, but what is he? And then Stanika comes into camp and he's physical and he's playing with urgency. He's winning battles all over the ice. And you're like, how can you not have this guy in an everyday role despite 
again, him not being the biggest guy. And that's, I think, what you want to see more from Hoaglander because Hoaglander has more skill than Stadnika. So if you can replicate that urgency, that intensity, that competitiveness, all of the attributes which Hoaglander already has within him, I think that's a recipe for him to really grab onto an everyday lineup spot. Kind of like a more skilled Tyler Mott, maybe on your third line? Well, Hoaglander isn't anywhere near Mott's, uh, Mott's um, defensively. So I, I don't love that call. But <laughs> yes, in terms of the 5-on-5 the five five energy and just being annoying and finding ways to contribute contribute outside of just offense, that's that's going to be important because, again, I don't... Like, Boudreaux mentioned this too when, he, when Hoaglander was in uh, his doghouse, sort of mentioning that, oh, yeah, Hoaglander's offensively gifted, but he's it's not as if he's going to put up such high point totals that you can ignore defensive play that you could ignore how he plays along the walls that there just needs to be more there and talk it sort of strikes me as the type of coach who when you hear him talking about pod colson hoaglander so much of what he speaks about in terms of their development isn't the offensive side it's all the other attributes of their game yeah absolutely okay let's get to it we're going to talk about 5 on 5 scoring. Uh, you and I were texting about this the other day. Let's go to the poll question because we asked the fine folks, the Canucks fans, the listeners, the public, what they thought about the Canucks 5 on 5 scoring. And I was very careful with my verbiage here, and you'll see that in our Atlas Goods poll question. Be sure to use promo code CC15 for 15% off your order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight out of your microwave or air fryer locally owned and operated out of Surrey, British Columbia, be sure to go to atlasgds.com. Our poll question today, how are you feeling about the team's five-on-five scoring heading into the season? Our options are great, not bad, I'm worried, and as always, I'm angry. Leading the vote right now is I'm worried. 46% of voters saying they are worried about the Canucks 5-on-5 scoring, 40% saying not bad, 10% say they are angry, and 4% of folks say they feel great about the Canucks 5-on-5 scoring heading into the season. Harmon, where do you land on this poll? It's a legitimate concern. You look at last season, and I've referenced this this stat a lot of times, so apologies if you've heard this before, but it's so important that it's worth repeating Last year at 5-5, the Canucks ranked 20th in 5-5 goals. They were 26th in generating shots. And keep in mind, that includes Pedersen and Kuzmenko being so dominant in that top-line role at even strength. Plus, most of that season was with Boudreaux's aggressive, fun, free-wheeling system. And we've seen under Talkit that to try and bolster the group's defensive structure and reduce the number of grade A chances that they allow that they're going to tighten things up. And and that means less creativity. That means less, um, less sort of free reign to create and, and play offensively the, the way that um, you perhaps would have under Boudreaux. And so you keep those things in, in mind and especially looking at the way the clubs looked in preseason. Again, I don't put too much stock into preseason, to be totally honest, but you can clearly see, yeah, this team looks a lot better defensively, but they haven't generated a whole lot offensively, especially um, without Hughes and Pedersen. And that's really my concern. You look at the numbers last year, and 
even when you strictly just look at five and five, the goals for and against differential, when Pedersen was on the ice at five and five, the Canucks were plus eight in terms of goal differential, which is really good, especially considering the, the state of the blue line last year. But with Pedersen on the bench, which means lines two to four, Canucks were outscored by 35 goals at five and five. Minus 35, there were obliterated, and that's a whole ball game in terms of where you need to improve to make the playoffs this coming season is non-Pedersen and non-Quinn Hughes minutes. And so you look at this roster and you go, okay, the bottom six hopefully is better, right? Because last year you had Sheldon Dries as your third-line center for a large chunk of the season. Now you're stronger up the middle with Suter and Bluger. By the way, two guys who I've been imp- quietly impressed with uh, through camp and preseason so far, I think they're defensive intelligence has clearly shined and I think they're going to make a significant impact on the penalty kill. But the big wild card that has, has to be better and, and has the potential in it to be better to me is the second line. Um, and that's where you get into the whole conversation about JT Miller and, and Brock Besser and how does DiGiuseppe fit or, or whoever else is on that left wing, whether it's Mikheyev, that to me, that that second line, that's the X factor. That's the wild card in terms of improving this team's five and five scoring and becoming formidable enough at even strength in non-Pedersen, non-Hughes minutes to make the playoffs. Do you think that's the biggest kind of X factor or wild card hanging in the season? Because I think before the season, a lot of us would have said, well, the penalty kill, the penalty kill has to be better or this team's not going to improve. Do you think after seeing them in camp and after seeing them in preseason, that is now five on five scoring. That's the biggest factor for this team. It's, it's tough to rank them, right? Because I'm sort of looking at it and going, all right, thankfully you've taken care of the backup goaltending situation, which seeing Casey DeSmith in preseason, I feel a lot more comfortable than I did heading into the season with Martin, Martin and Seeloff. So that's nice. But outside of that, you've still got the defense, which I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word about it because I'm not panicking about it. I'm not, I don't know if concerned is too strong of a word, but it's still not great. Uh, it's still an open question as to whether it's playoff caliber. That, that's how I'd put it. So you have that surrounding the defense. Um, the five and five scoring in the state of the second line, sure, you'd bring up. Uh, and the penalty kill. I think those are those are the areas. And, and, and from there, I, I don't know how you'd rank it, but those are the main areas that I that are still giving me sort of reason reason for pause. And, and really... I think the the five and five aspect, a huge chunk of it can be solved if, again, that Miller line can play up to its potential the way it did down the down the stretch in the last thirty games under Talkit. And of course, it comes with the caveat that in those Talkit thirty game stretcher thirty game stretch or so, you had really soft competition, really soft schedule, but. The difference between what we saw from that Miller line last year compared to the year before. It's massive, right? You look at Miller's on-ice 5-5 five five goal differential. The Canucks were outscoring teams by 14 um, with Miller in 2021-22, that 99-point season. Last year, the Canucks were minus 14 at 5-5 five five, um, with, uh, with that Miller line on the ice. So that's a 28-goal differential swing at 5-5 five five, one year over, over the next. And that's not just all on Miller, right? I'm looking at Brock Bester and I'm going... Last year, of course, was a tough year for him dealing with uh, his father's death. Um, so many different factors at play. You look at 
his on ice results, it was the worst defensive year of um, of his career in terms of his defensive play, board battles, the turnovers, the back checks. I feel like we were so focused on Miller's miscues and his big mistakes, and and rightfully so. For the first 40 to 50 games, it was really rough for Miller, uh, particularly when he was playing center. But we almost forgot as a result of that how much Besser was really struggling in that area and how much better he can be. And I don't mean that, like, when I'm saying, oh, man, Besser's coming off the worst defensive season of his career, I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way. I'm seeing that from a pr- perspective of we've seen him drive much better two-way results, so there's legit bounce-back potential there. And that's something that could really um, help Miller because when I look at how much that – Miller line struggled in a hard matchups role to start the year. You had that quote. I remember being on the first road trip and Miller's going, um, you know, swearing about how many, uh, about being on the ice for all of the first eight goals against um, that the team had surrendered. It wasn't just Miller. It was, man, Bastard struggling. And on the left wing too, you had Pearson before he got hurt, looked really slow, really ineffective. And, and that's where, Again, Di Giuseppe or, or Mikheyev, once he returns, you need more from 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 that sort of wing spot too, and and that can hopefully go a long way towards fixing the team's um, five and five scoring and their overall form. There, we've talked about how it looks like Besser's added a step. We saw the four assist night, obviously. How confident are you in that second line heading into the season? Because you know, we, like you said, we focused a lot on Miller, but with Besser specifically, how are you feeling about him and his role? on that line yeah it's it's always a wild card with Besser because the biggest thing for him is just first of all you got he's got to stay healthy what tends to happen a lot is you'll so sometimes watch him and I remember last year he was motivated to score 30 goals and he had that camp of preseason or that quote in uh, training camp of preseason about how confident he felt about being able to hit hit that mark the problem is when he when he gets hurt, it isn't just the time that he misses, but when he comes back into the lineup, he's rusty, especially because for a guy like that, when you miss game action and you're already not a fast skater, man, he'll look slow sometimes. He'll look rusty. I mean, you even go all the way back. We've seen this multiple times in many seasons. After his rookie season, when he had that scary back uh, back injury and he was sort of heading into camp after not having a full sort of summer and he looked a step behind and and that's just goes to show you again if he can stay healthy for a prolonged stretch i think right off the bat that's going to help him keep that quick that i i guess a little bit of extra quickness that he's shown i don't think he's you're not looking at him and going oh my god look at how much faster he, faster he's going but even go back to the second half of his season when he started picking up the pace offensively and closed out strong again the big difference was okay he was starting to win loose pucks a lot more he was way more effective on the forecheck and when you look at when Besser's played as played at his best on the line whether it was the lotto line in 1920 or the 2021-20 20 yeah the 2021 shortened 56 game season that's been such an essential part of, of his identity. And I, and I think you don't see that aspect unless you see the prolonged bill of health. So that's the first box that you need checked for, for him to live up to his potential this season. And, um, and then beyond that, yeah, I do think he has the ability to, 
to play better from a two-way perspective because look we focus on that 30 goal milestone and that oh can he get to 30 goals so much that for him though when I'm looking at his play heading into the season I'm not even necessarily so much focused on the goal totals as I am about can he help drive play uh, because that line is in all likelihood going to play against the other team's best lines because yes Elias Patterson is the team's best to a centerman but this coaching staff, whether it was Boudreaux or, or even Tockett, when Kuzmenko's on that line, I just don't think they're going to use that Pedersen line head-to-head um, against the opposition's best. And again, that puts a lot of pressure on uh, Miller, Besser, and whoever's on that left wing. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, absolutely. No pressure if you come to the Greta event. We're having an event at Greta Bar YVR. Now that I say it out loud, Harmon, you and I are both going to be in Edmonton missing that event. But folks... Limited tickets are still available for the Canucks Army kickoff party on Saturday, October 14th, when the Vancouver Canucks take on the Edmonton Oilers. We're having a little watch party. Uh, You get $2 hot dogs, obviously. We got a lot of food, a lot of drinks available over there at Greta Bar YVR. Harmon, have you been to Greta? Because we we have this conversation all the time, Faber and I. Have you been there? Yeah, I have. The one time I was there, it was an absolute blast. I like Greta because it's one of the rare places in Vancouver where... I feel like, especially when you travel on the road and you go to other cities, it's it's nice in Montreal or, or Philadelphia or, or wherever you are. You can find places that are somewhere in between a bar and a club, right? Especially especially for a younger guy. It's like in Vancouver, a lot of times you're looking to go out and it's either a bar where everything's quiet and everybody's seated in their groups and there's like such little mingling and it's sort of a boring subdued vibe maybe i guess i just haven't been to the right bars or it's a sort of uh or it's a it's a nightclub environment and i just don't enjoy clubs anymore it's it's too much uh (laughs) for me and i miss those in between places and that's what greta was great for because you had the small dance floor um but you also had the arcade games and um and and the and the the hot what do you call that uh air hockey Yes, which was a lot of fun, and you can just kind of roam in between, and it's good to, you know, just walk around with friends, and it, it hits that sweet spot in between a bar and a club when it's uh, Friday and Saturday night. So I've been there quite once or twice. 
Well, your check is in the mail, and you are obviously welcome to the uh, future events that we're having this season at Greta. But $10 tickets, like I said, limited tickets still remain. We're, we've been selling a lot, which is great. Let's keep selling them. Let's sell this event out. Uh, $10 ticket gets you a Canucks Army swag bag and a $30 game voucher. So if you think about it, you're making money by coming to this event. So be sure to go check it out. Chris Faber will be the MC of the event. Uh I'm not sure, but you might see some other faces. There might be some surprise guests uh, at that event. So be sure to go get your tickets at uh, nationgear.ca. If you go down, you find Canucks Army under brands. You'll see the event. Buy yourself a ticket. This event is in support of Kids Sport BC. So, you know, what's not to love about this event? So be sure to go check it out. Okay, uh, we'll get to our bet here, Harmon. Are, are you a big baseball guy? Like, I, I know we went to that batting cage that one time and you just absolutely raked after, you know, you <laughs> played cricket, you said, your whole life. And, you know, you, you just had the natural swing. You were just absolutely raking in the batting cage at Castle Fun Park. Do you follow baseball much, especially during playoffs? Casually. Like, it, it's, it was fun seeing the Blue Jays melt down again. And <laughs> I like that. Just another Toronto team that has a core that should be performing way better just continuing <laughs> to fall short and frustrate people in toronto like there's just something so funny about that yeah that's the thing that i try to remind people because people are like why are you a mariners fan on top of being a jays fan like the thing i try to remind people is like look i understand that's the only team you can watch in canada if you don't have like mlb tv or an illegal stream i understand that but at the end of the day you have to realize you're cheering for a toronto sports franchise so there are ramifications that come with that, and we just saw it in the wild card series of what that comes well, with when you're here's the thing, for a I've sports a, team. I've been a Blue Jays fan in the past, and under normal circumstances, I think I was actually going to follow the Blue Jays, but I remember this was a little while back uh, talking to Drance about the Blue Jays, and I was sort of looking at their like mediocre record to start, and I was like, hey, what's up? Like, I was going to follow this team this year. Like, What's going on? And, and he just sort of told me, like, the, I, like the vibes are off. And so I was like, okay, I'm officially off the bandwagon. And I'm in, I just hope this Toronto team collapses now mode. So I feel good about that decision. Because if they were actually good this year, then, then I would have felt bad that I got off the bandwagon. That's fair. That's very fair. Well, the Mariners bandwagon has plenty of room, trust me. Uh, but a bandwagon that's running out of room is the subject of our Betway bet of the day. As always, presented by Betway. This is the Betway wrap-up. Pull it up here, Aaron. Aaron's going to love it. Our technical producer, Aaron Bordado, huge Atlanta Braves fan. The man who put plus 900 odds on Ronald Acuna to win the NL MVP. That's an absolute lock, uh, so that's definitely happening. 50, uh, plus 950. Let's get that Let's get that correct. And How much did you put on that? $20. Oh, that's man. good. That's pretty good. Pretty That's tasty. a solid I bet. That one to cash, but That's I love this bet. Quads. I think the Atlanta Braves are the closest thing you can get to a lock to win in the World Series. Their lineup is absolutely ridiculous. Their pitching staff is absolutely ridiculous. And I made this same bet in February, so I'm riding with you, Quad. <laughs> Let's go. Let's get Harmon on the train too. That's right. The Betway bet of the day is the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series this year at plus 250 odds. $10 bet returns you $35 over on Betway. Folks, don't overthink this. Everybody who's paying attention to baseball is trying to say, oh, well, the Phillies are hot at the right time. The Phillies have this lineup and 
the Atlanta Braves have probably the best lineup ever constructed in the sport of baseball's history. The Atlanta Braves have been hot for 162 games. I don't give a shit what the Phillies are doing right now. Exactly, exactly. And that's what it comes down to is this lineup can just hurt you in so many ways. There's just no, you know, there's no light light part of the lineup the, the seven eight nine guys can hurt you almost just as much as the one two three in this lineup so let's not talk too much baseball here yeah, yeah. but the bet is plus i love if you like free money hit the braids i'm i'm clipping this segment and i'm definitely gonna roast both of you guys if the braves don't win the world <laughs> series now well that's the thing they have the harder opponents so the dodgers are definitely going to win their nlds matchup i think and then it's going to be dodgers braves just like it is every year and hey like, that's going to be the toughest test, I think, that the Braves have on their way to the World Series. I th- I think if they reach the World Series, they're beating anybody from the AL. Like, I don't think there's anybody in the AL that can take them in a seven-game series. But... I, I agree. And, God forbid, they don't. Knock on wood. I'm deleting this episode so hard. <laughs> I don't want Too anything. late. I've, I've been screen recording this whole time. <laughs> Damn it. Well, men in black, Harvard, make Harvard. sure. Go Braves. All right. Uh, that is, of course, presented by the great folks over at Betway. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Must be 19 plus. Harmon, thank you so much for joining me. I don't know if you know this. Favor dropped this on me yesterday. You're back with me on Tuesday. Exact same setup. You and I back on Tuesday. Uh, we'll be able to talk. We'll have some. We'll have some NLDS games to talk about, and obviously, we'll be talking about the game tonight between the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. Harmon, any closing thoughts? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. Um, I just hope that I wasn't too negative today. I know I was bringing up a lot of concerns, but it's my honest thoughts. And I, I'm just so used to things going wrong with this team, especially at the start of the year, that maybe I do have a bit of a, a bias sort of worrying about the things that could go wrong. But there have been, you know, as we mentioned with uh, DeSmith and Suter and Bluger, some some storylines elsewhere on the roster that have trended well. So fingers crossed that they can make it out of the first two weeks without catastrophically collapsing. Here's to that. Meaningful games in November, buddy. That's what you and I talked Let's about go. last year. Meaningful games in November. <laughs> That's all we want is meaningful games in November. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, and our technical producer, Aaron Bernardo, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks conversation Canucks conversation with quads and Faber new episodes every weekday 1 30 across the board except for Wednesdays one o'clock we'll see you there live on the Canucks Army YouTube channel for more information visit CanucksArmy.com how about keep it to a thank you Jim